Well, hello, hello, Belieflings. Today's special episode release is a rare glimpse at our expansion episodes offered at beliefhole.com. These are strange times indeed, and we know now more than ever there is a hunger for uncovering the mysterious and recounting the mind-bending tales that make this place so strange and wonderful. In light of this, we would like to present Unicorn Episode 3, Imposter Entities, Monstrous Muppets, and Nightmares in the Closet. If you like what you hear and need more Belief Hole to binge, head over to our website, beliefhole.com, to become an expansion member and get deep in the hole with double the episodes. Access granted. And now, my friends, tuck in the kiddos, lock the doors, and pump up the volume. Frog here. I'm a Muppet, baby. <laughs> I'm a Muppet girl. I will play with you. Mupp, Muppet out. Mupp, Muppet out. <laughs> Muppet out. Let's be pitch shifted. Mupp, Muppet out. One, two, three. Ah, ah, ah. What? Nothing? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's all we need. <laughs> that was wonderful. Hi. Muppets. In the closet. I can't imagine too many more things creepier than Grover coming out of the closet. This is your old friend Grover. Into your room. Yeah. To terrorize you. Yes, yes, yes. And if it sounds familiar, it's because we discussed this on our Boogeyman episode, remember? We did the Big Bird story with the chapstick. Have some chapstick. It'll make you feel good. It's so creepy. <laughs> like the thought... I mean, what makes that so creepy? If that's real, if that happened, it reminds me of like it, Mm -hmm. you know? Like it's it's just- Putting on the mask. Yeah, I think we had this exact conversation before. We should set this up a little bit. But just the thought of- Something coming out of your closet and pretending to be something. Yeah, go ahead and set it up. I guess it really could have been Big Bird though. (laughs) What? Jim Henson lives in your closet. Oh, that's creepy to imagine like Jim Henson just wearing like a dilapidated old Big Bird suit. In some other reality, they kicked him out. He had murdered some people. And so he just had this old suit that he would wear occasionally. And he knew that could get him in the door or out of the It's weird that you say that because I do have a story coming up with Big Bird. And today we're going to be covering monstrous Muppets and screen memories and interdimensional parasites. So what is a screen memory again, Chris? A screen memory? Uh, So it depends on who you're talking to. The initial idea of the screen memory actually came from Freud. The concept is that when you're young, if something disturbing happens to you, your mind tries to find something that can replace the the genuine horrifying experience with something palatable that can kind of relate to it and cover it up. So screen memory is a distorted memory generally of a visual rather than verbal nature deriving from childhood. The term was coined by Sigmund Freud, and the concept was the subject of his 1899 paper, quote, screen memories. The construction of the screen memory turns on the balance between memory and denial. The blocking of an unpleasant event, thought, or perception is facilitated if some harmless but associated object can be substituted for the unpleasantness itself. The ego searches for memories that can serve as, quote, screens for the unpleasantness behind which is thereby removed from consciousness. So, you know, kind of what we already said. Do you think you have any screen memories? Well, you know, I think we talk about these stories and they always sound familiar. You can't put your finger on it. Yeah. It's basically like trauma. Right. 
that your brain can't deal with. So this can happen at any age, right? It's childhood. It specifically... Makes more sense as a child. Right. Because your brain's still developing. It's also, it's still a controversial idea. And it's been kind of pushed out in a lot of academic circles, the idea of the screen memory for some reason. I'm really not going to go into that today, but that was Freud's explanation of a screen memory. Of course, the other thing I was going to mention in UFO abduction, right? When they talk about UFO abduction and experiences abductees have, there's sort of an allusion to the idea that is the screen memory possibly something that's an intentional process that's done to the abductee. Right. So maybe not even that they're doing it, but, you know, and that would be in an adult right. form. Yeah, something so traumatic that they have to replace it. Right. So the entity or the power behind the abduction experience can trigger the mechanism that you might naturally have to create a screen memory in order to obfuscate their Possibly. true reality of who that's they are. That's one of the theories. I wonder... How this plays into MK Ultra? I was just thinking that. This seems like this would easily have inspired that process. Like we can basically program someone and then hide what we've done with using screen memories and then use that as a trigger with the, you know, the Alice, or not Alice in Wonderland, uh, Wizard of Oz. A lot of these different famous scenarios and imageries that they've used for MK Ultra screens. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, Alice in Wonderland, because that'll come into play with one of these stories. And also Alice in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll. The writer, right? Yeah, and I'll talk a little bit about that later on because it's really interesting how he viewed reality because he did view it in these sort of layers of reality. And one of the layers was the state between sleep and wakefulness that he believed was just as real as this reality and the things that you would sort of see. And that's how he wrote a lot of his Alice in Wonderland and um, Jabberwocky. But he would get a lot of these ideas in that in-between state. Really fascinating guy. But he used screen memory, the idea of screen memory, to direct some of his creative ideas. Hmm. We'll see if we have time for that. And the last thing I want to talk about, just to open this up, is when we talk about possible explanations for these encounters we're about to read, of course, there's always the parasite idea, right? We talk about that oh, a lot. Yeah. The dark feeder. Mm-hmm. The interdimensional parasite. What are these things? And I really hope we have time to get to it. There's a, a really interesting breakdown into the concept of parasites by Paul Eno in his book, Dancing Past the Graveyard. Great book. And really fascinating. If we don't have time on this episode, we'll definitely be doing a full episode on his book. But he goes in depth on his theory of parasites through years of interactions with these entities, even working with Ed and Lorraine Warren. He was a theology student at the time. So it was really some fascinating stuff there. He believes that a lot of what we think are demonic spirits or people that have died, often the case, it's entities that are living in between worlds, but they're feeding on people and their energies and will even pretend to be demonic spirits if it gives the person more fear, thus giving them more food. Interesting stuff. We'll see when we get to that. But it's interesting because that kind of connects with the next expansion we're going to be doing over the break here, which is going to be about alien races. This book of alien races is supposedly coming from the KGB. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, translated by this guy, Dante. We'll get into it when we get to that episode, but what he's currently doing, because that came out in like the early 2000s, mid-2000s, or maybe 2014, but what he's doing now, looking at his YouTube videos and his YouTube presence, gets really interesting, but there's one video from someone that follows him about Morgellons disease. Some people think it comes from chemtrails. It's nanotech Mm -hmm. that invades your system. Yeah, it's definitely a disturbing thing. Yeah. It's like fibers growing out of you. Yeah, and some people believe they're sentient. It's horrifying looking, right? they have actually samples of this? Yeah, okay, so... I thought it was allegedly a thing, but there's no, like, you can't keep it or something, like it disappears or... Well, I know, I've heard that. It might depend on certain experiences, but there are actual scientists that study samples. But some of the videos you see are pretty crazy, and who knows who these people are, where they're at with their psychology, 
the one I was watching though, it was a follower of this Dante guy who came out with that Alien Races book and they get into some really interesting, bizarre kind of ideas that are really out there, but will be really interesting to talk about. But one of the videos, the whole point of me bringing this up was he believes that the nanotech, the uh, Morgellons that are in his skin and around him all the time, causing him constant allergies and pain and anxiety, he believes that they're feeding off of his fear. And mm. so when he talks about him, you know, like some videos he's played, I don't know if he does this intentionally, but he's playing like kind of upbeat female acoustic indie music. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because it maybe it scares him less, but then you're seeing what he's seeing under a microscope. And I mean, it looks very creepy, And but you don't really know what you're looking at. Right. You know, it could be tangles of lint that just happens to look, you know, everything looks like a demonic face yeah. when you see patterns in the world, which actually I have an interesting theory about that. Oh, he has to look at it through a microscope. That's how small, like the Morgellons oh. is. Yeah, it is a little less. If it, you have to. It's hard to, it's know. Hard to know. That's all Morgellons cases. I mean, I think some you can see with the naked eye, but it's still so small to know what what it is. You really need, I think, a microscopic zoom. Oh, I guess I thought that there were more cases that where there was like big chunks of fibers. Coming I don't out think. I mean, I think that's the thing about Morgellons is that there aren't any samples, at least, that remain that you can study. No, I, th- I don't think that's true. I do think that people have studied it, and they they determine that it's not any known polymer or it's definitely not a natural substance but they don't know where it came from like wires yeah and sometimes it's like almost yeah metallic or i don't know i mean this is a topic for another time but it, it's interesting just in that it ties in with the idea of if they are sentient and they are pretty much invisible they are invisible entities feeding off your fear just at the micro level it's just kind of a creepy idea yeah. did you guys see the joe biden thing <laughs> it was a video where like it was something in his Oh, oh yeah. You, yeah, you were talking about that. It was like during the debates. <laughs> That's right. It was like a little creature came yeah, out like of his a little sleeve. like scorpion arm. Uh-huh. Did you see it though? Uh, I think you showed it to me. It's weird. I mean, obviously, you know. Could have been like a bracelet. No, thing. it was definitely. Definitely a no, it was e- no, no, no. It was either fake or it was an alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. It's one of those videos too where you're like. It wasn't like a natural watcher. Right. It was a very unnatural looking thing to be happening yeah, inside like of his sleeve. scorpion arm creature. A scorpion arm. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. But anyways, we'll get to some more of that in the next episode. Chris, I didn't mean to interrupt you too much. But, Sorry. But yeah, How dare it, you? It's interesting, interesting stuff. But it ties right into my, I came up with this theory the other day. I was taking a shower. I don't think you guys ever noticed this, but if you ever pay attention to the patterns around you or the indiscriminate non-patterns, but just like textures of the floor or the ceiling, you know how you always see like eyes or a face? Yeah. There's like a mom and dad's shower upstairs. There's like a wolf in the wall that I always mm-hmm. see. The upstairs? Yeah, the upstairs bathroom. Okay. Print. Anyways, prints and stuff that are random, you know, pareidolia, you'll see faces, right? Right. That's the idea. But I noticed that, I don't know if, if you guys out there listening experience this, it's like 95% of the time, scary, dark looking <laughs> faces. That. You don't, I don't see a lot of like dudes smiling back at me like, hey, hope your day's going well. It's like a happy little elf. It's always like an ogre or um, a malevolent, misshapen creature. I thought that too, but then I wonder like, is that my mind state? Is it because I'm anxious no. or- No, well, this is what I think. I think that maybe we talk about these entities that live just beyond us feeding off fear. Mm-hmm. What if they have enough ability, enough like resonant energy to manipulate the material that when someone's plastering a That's wall- a ridiculous theory. No, let me, let me finish. <laughs> when, when they're you know painting or plastering and things are just drying that not necessarily they're intentionally like, I'm going to make a scary face. Not that. I'm just saying maybe their very existence there is manifested in the material in, in these very subtle, easy to manipulate, just the way that paint dries. Well, it makes sense. You would want- how, I think that's the truth. If you were one of these entities and you this was kind of your home base, this person's apartment, then when they're doing the wall, you definitely would want to influence that to have scary faces. Right. 
I mean, I'm not saying it's intentional. I'm saying, what if these things are? It's a stretch. Malevolent, and they are just beyond this realm. It may be an imprint. You know, a, a psychic echo. I mean, it's real. I could see that happening in like haunted places, uh-huh. which just everywhere all the time. Yeah, I know there would have to be a lot of them. Well, there is a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. You know, they talk about the. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? You're looking at the ceiling. <laughs> looking for at your to see if I could find the negative faces that might give something food. If any of you guys see that, take a picture. That of looks like a vagina. Of what you see. What? It does. That's some pareidolia. Where's my mind? Where is my mind? Anyway, let's get back to Muppets. Okay. Coming out of the closet. Sorry. So did you really set up this episode, what it, what it is about, generally? They did say, we're going to talk about monstrous Muppets coming to torment children. Are they screen memories? Are they interdimensional parasites? That is weird, though. I mean, in the context of screen memories, thinking about Muppets, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well, and also, like, the idea of the trickster sort of interdimensional entity that wants to feed on fear. Right. What I wanted to do is kind of discuss that. We just brought these ideas up because I want to go into these stories, and I want people to listen to the stories and kind of think, if this person had a real experience, and if this isn't some reinterpretation of a dream that someone had as a child, if you think that there's legitimacy to this as being a real experience, what category do you think this might fall in? Right. What might this actually be? Right. So do we want to start with some stories? Yeah. I just wanted to say one of the reasons we want to talk about this is because we've come across enough of this in the researching of the strange and unusual and whatever kind of entity research we're doing. This seems to be some kind of pattern. There's enough of this out there, the screen memory. Oh, the, yeah, absolutely. The characters that kids see coming out of their closet, even adults at times, there are things using these forms. And it's enough for it to be, I think, a topic that should have more attention. Yeah, I will say real quickly that a long time ago, the beginning of season two, season two, episode four, we did Barricading the Boogeyman and Spirit Architecture. And in that episode, we did the now infamous Big Bird story with the chapstick. I remember looking at this and finding that there were other stories related to the Muppet phenomenon, right? The coming out of the closet, yeah. the boogeyman taking form, whatever the spirit is taking the form of something a child would recognize. And I thought, what fascinating, specifically the Muppet. I wanted to find more of those stories. I didn't expect there to be as many as we found for this episode, but definitely check out that episode for a little like kind of background. Can we to play this. that? Yeah, we will. When we get to the big bird section. I'd like to revisit that. Do we want to start with some tales from the closet? Let's do it. So this first story originally came from a caller on the Jamie Havikin show. And then Beyond Creepy did a YouTube video of it. And then Phantoms and Monsters collected that from there. Uh, but the original phone call, we, we tried hard to find it because I wanted to hear the woman's voice as she told this experience. But you couldn't find it. Yeah, I tried very hard. I even went back on archive.org. Whatever it was, the audio files are no longer available for those episodes. So right. I couldn't find the original. I mean, like Coast to Coast, his show was like a live radio show. He had call-ins. So yeah, once the the backup on Libsyn's gone or whatever distribution platform, then I guess it's just gone. Uh, but we do have the transcription, so we can retell. We can retell it. All right, you ready? Go for it. Back in 1972, when I was a four-year-old little girl, I actually interacted with somebody who was not of this world. I know it sounds crazy, but I was a little girl. I was at a friend's house, and her mother was watching us, and we were in her playroom in Huntington, Indiana. She was doing the laundry and chores and periodically checking on us. At the time, I really loved Sesame Street. So this being actually took the form of one of the characters. I believe now, reflecting back on it because we weren't afraid. I remember his eyes. They were really big and insect-like, but the rest of him looked like the character named Fozzie on Sesame Street. He actually played with us and we had a great time, just playing and laughing. My memories are vague, but he somehow knew. 
even before we could hear my friend's mother coming in the room, and he actually went out the window. He hit his leg on the window because I believe he got startled and was trying to exit quickly, and I saw what he really looked like, and it didn't bother me. I was a little girl. I saw the skin texture and everything, and now as an adult, I know that he probably just projected that image to me so that, you know, I'd be comfortable. We were leaning out the window and crying for him to come back and play with us and trying to show her mother our playmate that she assumed was an imaginary playmate. I thought twice about it, but I've always had this memory. All right, so this is the point in the story where the radio host, Jamie Havikin, asks her what the entity looked like when it hit the window and lost its mask. The best way I can describe it, and this is gonna sound morbid, but back in the 70s, we had an afternoon program and we had a pet snake and they would feed the snake, the mouse, and we would all gather around and we would all watch the event. I remember thinking, wow, that reminded me of a mouse. Not the body part, but the skin was like this creamy white texture with pink. And when he hit his leg, he let out a scream because I think he hurt himself. But he moved so fast, my eyes just happened to be in the right direction because I saw his foot and it was bent. But just the texture and also wanting him to come back and play. It was not a bad experience whatsoever. It was just laughing and playing and I had no idea how much time lapsed. But I do remember thinking, how did he know that Mary was coming? Now as an adult reflecting on it, how did he know? That's what you're thinking? How did he know? Mary? What about what the fuck was that thing? <laughs> Anyways, I remember him watching from the bushes, but he did not come back in. That I can remember. Freaky. Yeah. Ugh. I often wonder if he's still around just watching. I can't tell anybody or they'll put me in a straitjacket or they'll say, you must have been dreaming. They'll say you were so young, maybe your mom put you in front of a television. Maybe it's something you saw on TV. No, I remember. I remember laughing and seeing those eyes. I ran up to him, like right up, because when you're a kid, you're like, hi, what's your name? Do you wanna play? Looking back on it now, thinking about how he somehow could tell through our memories that I watched Sesame Street, and so he took on that image but the only thing that did not fit was the eyes. Still, I was not scared. I just went right up to him, you know? So then that's when Jamie Havikin asked her to describe the eyes more in detail. Black and large, like an insect. Large, very, very large. <laughs> but the intentions I got from him was complete love and wonderful feelings. Yeah, that's what they do. I felt like, oh wow, you know, because you're little, you're not judging somebody on the color of their skin, or if they're a giant rat, or how <laughs> tall, thin or fat, or any of the other stuff. You're just judging somebody on how they make you feel, and if they're friendly. Man, that's creepy. Yeah. I mean, you know, like the fact that it made her feel good, but... Yeah. Ooh, that's weird. Just It'll make the, you feel good. Yeah, I'm the big bird story. Have some chat. It's just the way that she describes the eyes is creepy too. Well, and I think anytime you have something that is pretending to look like something else, it just, you automatically have a sense of some nefarious deception right. going on, you know? I mean, it doesn't seem like it did anything nefarious. 
No, the, not, at least not that she recalled. And right. a lot of these stories, you have this sort of encounter where something, that fascinating aspect of like, everything looked right except the eyes. Mm-hmm. There's always something that can't get eyes right. Eyes the wind of the soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a thing to that, isn't there? Yeah, there is a concept about these sorts of entities that take the shape of something else and how like there's always a little something that's off. Like, they can't get it completely right. Mm-hmm. We did talk about that, John. Like you said, the windows to the soul. That was something we mentioned before. Like maybe the idea that because your eyes is where your consciousness really shines through literally like your soul they can't mimic that hmm. i just think of insect eyes as cold dead yeah, robotic eyes. Yeah. you know those the gray android machines right. we talk about not super loving and warm yeah literally cold-blooded but they send out that reassuring like they can That's manipulate your psychology right. i mean it reminds me of i don't know if you ever saw the there was a tv show called v mm-hmm. uh oh, it yeah. was remade a couple times the thing that v the alien species that were imposter entities like we're talking about uh-huh. now pretended to be like human looking they would give people bliss. Right. They would make them feel good, right? And it, <laughs> and it became like, that was the uh, the nectar that people became addicted to. But it reminds me of that. Like, even though they're freaky looking, bug-eyed mantis Is men, there like an animal where it does that, where it kind of like... Calms you? I'm just saying like in the natural world where it seduces some other animal, uh-huh. and like it tricks them. Into- well, of course, the Venus flytrap. Right. Which interestingly, did you guys know this? I was reading in John Keel's book the other day about this. If we do an episode on plants, communication plants or plants being from other worlds, that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Apparently the Venus flytrap, when this book was written, only grew in one place in the world. Hmm. In a meteor crater in North Carolina. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Alien what, plants. That's how it started? That's the only place you could find them naturally. I wonder if that still stands up today. Because I think that, or you were reading it in Strange Creatures of Time and Space? Yeah, by John Keel. An old, older book. Yeah. So what, people took them out and like spread them around? Yeah, you could, you know. So it started them. in a meteor crater? If that's true, that's pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, because that would obviously point to like, oh, this came from Definitely want to look into that more. Right. That'd be pretty cool if it was. Yeah. But there's a lot of things on this planet that seem otherworldly. There's another plant that it'll mimic an anus and it'll send out the smell of a fart so oh. that, that flies will come and land on it and go into this butthole. The thing is decaying. And then it'll eat them. Okay. You are smiling an awful lot. <laughs> You're telling that. He's like, in the butthole. <laughs> excited. Um, it's so silly. There's a silly. dead body plant it's fascinating oh, yeah, yeah yeah it's huge it's like feed me <laughs> what like it eats you like it eats no flies it's like or... uh, it smells like decay this beautiful oh, it looks like the feed me seymour plant yeah the, oh, okay it's this monstrous tropical plant yeah it looks beautiful but it smells like death decaying flesh yeah what is the point of that i don't know to, to get the sort of insects that go after to, I mean, think of how oh, many insects to feed on. I think it's no, a carnivorous Yes, yeah, carnivorous. Oh, they don't okay. eat the flies. That would, they would be feeding on a dead animal on the side of the road. What is that thing called? I want to see that. Carrion flowers, also known as I think it's a corpse, corpse flower. flower. There you go. Or stinking flowers are flowers that emit an odor that smells like rotting flesh. Carrion flowers Ew. attract mostly scavenging flies and beetles as pollinators. It looks like something out of Beetlejuice. Does it say to feed on them or, or for pollination? This says for pollination. Yeah. That is such a weird So it's not a plant. carnivorous plant. It's huge too. It doesn't look like a Beetlejuice thing. Beetlejuice? Yeah. What like the mean? sculptures in Beetlejuice? Yeah. Oh, they have like spines kind of. Well, it's got like this giant rod coming God, out of the top of this so giant weird, flower. Man. Guys, we'll have this in the show notes. That is strange, man. So is it like legit size of a corpse? It's pretty big, yeah. I mean, it's, it's twice the size of this family, although they are very short. This one, John. This is the... Fascinating. Helicodiceros is a plant that mimics the anus of a dead animal or person. Oh, God. It even looks kind of like it. It mimics it of a dead person? It says, 
mimics the anus of a dead animal in order to attract flies for pollination. I guess wow. that's one of the hot spots for flies is the anus of a dead thing. <laughs> hot spot. So if flies had like a club to go to, it would be right. called like the anus or something. Come on down to the dead anus. That's wild. <laughs> oh, should we get back to it? Okay. Yeah. I would love to do an episode on that. More bizarre. We did kind of the bizarre animal stuff recently. Mm-hmm. Fun to do a bizarre world of that plants. Plant is just crazy looking though. Plus plant communication is fascinating. I really want to get into that. I had an experience recently that remind me to tell that story. You were talked to by a plant? Yes, I was in my dream. Ooh. We'll save that for that. Screen episode. memory. Okay, so getting back to imposter entities, right? There is something to this imposter entity thing. Absolutely. Obviously, this episode does relate to that phenomenon because these are things imitating things that make you feel comfortable. The Muppets, the Alice in Wonderland, the Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket. Oh, we got a <gasps> large and in charge Jiminy Cricket coming up. Last thing I want to say about her story, the caller, Tavikin's show... It's a pretty good example of what I think you could call a screen memory, right? Or at least something doing the imitation dance where it knocks its knee against the window, which I think is kind of a hilarious scene in my mind. It's like, oh shit, I've got to get out of there. And it like knocks his knee against the window. And then in that moment of trying to escape reveals itself as what it truly is. Right. And her description, again, this, this was sort of a jumbled story because it was taken from transcription from a phone call. Right. So it's, you know, live, but it sounded like she was describing its skin texture, like a dead mouse. But I didn't get a really a description of what the whole thing looked like. I don't so think much. it was a dead mouse. I think it's just the way that the mouse was pink skin, pink skin with like kind of a fur gray, but the little pink coming through. I think that's what she was describing. Not necessarily dead. Anyway, let's go to the next story. Okay, this one might sound familiar. I almost feel like we did this, but if we did, it's been a while. This story is called "Visited by the Count." It comes from Phantoms and Monsters, who got it from Beyond Creepy. Okay, so someone actually writing and saying this is what happened to me. Right, and a lot of these stories are, like there was the the famous account of this Sesame Street character, and then a lot of people heard the stories like, you'll never believe I had the similar story. I never thought anybody would have an experience like this. I've been waiting years for someone to mention it. And this one, I think, is extremely fascinating because there's a lot of elements that come into play in different stories. And it'll relate, I think, well, because it's twin brothers who have this experience when they're young. Um, And I call it, one, two, scream. (laughs) Get it? Yeah, it was really good, Chris. All right, who wants to do this one? You want to do it, Jared? I'll do it. Visited by the Count. I've been waiting 36 years of my life to hear a story close to mine and my twin brothers. Our visit started in 1981 when the Count from Sesame Street came. My brother and I shared a room. We were still in our cribs, but we were old enough to climb out if we wanted. I was woken up one night to my brother crying barely speaking English. We had our own twin language. I asked him what was wrong. He pointed over to my side of the wall. As I looked, there was the Count standing, looking at us both. He went on to tell us many things. He was friendly. I know he was telling us not to be afraid and giving us information about our futures. No matter how comfortable he was trying to make us feel, though, my twin was not having it. He was afraid of it. Being the stronger twin all my life, and with no fear, I was worried more for my brother. I climbed out of my crib to go get help. As I went to flick the bedroom light on, I startled this entity. It ran towards the wall, turning into its true form, a gray. Then it morphed into a black blob and left underneath the dresser. Many events happened in this story going forward, but that would be too long to write. In the end, this wasn't talked about until we were around 10 years old. I asked my brother, 
Was it a dream or was it real? Remember it? My brother looked at me in shock and said, yes, I remember it well, as if it was yesterday. I know for us, this has led to many years of events for us. We have been waiting, searching for someone that had an experience like ours. I felt like I knew this entity like it was family to me. I feel we will meet again in the future. And that comes from Hollow Eyes National Hockey League. <laughs> what? It was the, the name of the guy's channel who was the commenter on this. Hollow Eyes YouTube NHL. Channel. Oh, okay. Yeah. It might not stand for National Hockey League, just similar acronym. Uh, weird. Yeah. It is weird because I resonate, obviously, because he's 36 at the time, 36 now, and the twin language mm -hmm. thing, you know? It's so weird. So many of these stories have twins involved in it, which is interesting. And it just reminded me of that story I think we've told before on the show, but the gremlin experience we both had and then recalled later mm -hmm. and confirmed with each other that night we were at grandma's house and the gremlins came in the window and were dancing and <laughs> creeping us out. Oh, yeah. The shared dream we had. Yeah. And I remember telling you about it years later and you're like, yeah, I remember that. But it's just weird. It's that same sort of confirmation of some sort of potentially screen memory of something. Mm -hmm. And again, that ties right into the previous story. It's something that's taking on the form of something you know, but again, loses its mask, loses its facade in an effort to try to escape. Right. It's interesting. Definitely a common pattern. But yeah, really interesting story. I mean, you, you know, these are comments posted on YouTube. So you take them with a grain of salt, but fascinating some of the connections, the patterns, and we find these in different places. Right. And again, these stories sound familiar to me. And it's probably to a lot of our listeners out there, there's some sort of kernel of truth in this, or there's some sort of flash of remembering almost when you hear the story of something that's supposed to be something and it's pretending not to be yeah. or pretending to be. Very creepy. Anyways, let's take a break on that note. Okay, yeah, when we come back, we have uh, a couple more experiences of uh, Counts in the Closet and uh, even the uh, the Big Bird story we might replay. Mm -hmm. That's just the beginning. gonna be back we're gonna go out and have some drinks later you want to join us yeah come on out we're going to dano's no fake muppets no imposters allowed <laughs> no screen memories of dano's actually there might be screen memories depending on how much i drink tonight all right so before the break we talked about the count in the closet yeah we've got some corroboration here from another fella what? this comes from Stephen anita smith wait so you're telling me that the count is he's like an active figure here like it's no was just a one-off story there's more Okay. I mean, who knows if it's, the, it's probably not the same entity, but it seems like a it's commonly used shell that they use. What if they do that? What if it's like you can rent a costume to come into this world, like a shadow? Like you get to be this persona? Mm -hmm. And it's like you have to have it cleaned. <laughs> what if they like get it back? <laughs> and like you can see like the stain from Jimmy's room or something. The adrenochrome goo. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's really gross. Okay. So here we go. Well, I never thought I would hear another story about the Count from Sesame Street in my entire life. I had a similar experience when I was five, though he wasn't telling me nice things as far as I remember. This was in the 80s, and to this day, it is still the scariest moment of my life. I have literally never told a single person about this. When people bring up Sesame Street, I always tell them I never watched it because I thought it was stupid. But the real reason was because of this incident when I was about five that I had with the Count. He came out of my closet. 
I don't remember too many details except for screaming and crying and the sheer terror of it. I did not own any Sesame Street toys or any toys that even remotely looked like that. And that came from Stephen Anita Smith. Weird. Yeah. So it just freed himself of his closet mm -hmm. and just came out. Came what happened? Him. We don't know. He doesn't remember much after that. Maybe he blacked out. Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows? Maybe he counted too high. But it is weird. You seems to be a lot of people who have stories like this who just assume that no one's had an experience like this, so they never tell anybody. Right, and then they hear someone, somebody does a one-off YouTube video, and all of a sudden you get this flood of people. And obviously this could be, you know, the explanation of whether it's a nightmare or maybe a screen memory, but you're- As a child, yeah. You're using something that's familiar in your mind. I mean, mind. these are, it seems like the range is typically, you know, three, four, five years old mm -hmm. for most of these accounts. So who knows how your brain's processing stuff, but in our strange world, definitely seems to be a possibility. Have some chapstick. Have some chapstick. All right, so I have a Big Bird account, and before we do the Big Bird account, I thought it'd be fun to do a little flashback and hear a clip from the episode we did a year ago. So we're doing a flashback, mm -hmm. and then we're doing a Big Bird account after another one? Or we could do it the other way. No, it's fine, but there's a new Big Bird. Yeah, yeah, that's why I want to do the old one. Oh, that, well, that makes total sense. So we're going to hear ourselves back in time? Yeah. I'm nervous. Let's wind it back. Were we bad? Were we bad then? That was pretty good. Were we better than now? Because that would be a bummer. <laughs> that would be. No, we're way better. Okay, good. Ready? We're going to give ourselves a run for our money. This is weird. We're going back in time. Ready? Go for it. Here we go. Oh, it's even in there already. <laughs> Super. I was born in 1976 in Dayton, Ohio, and shared a room with my brother for several years. My brother had one side of the room. I had the other. We had a very large walk-in closet, and the door to it was at the foot of my bed. One night, as I was trying to get to sleep, my brother was already asleep. The door opened, and I know this sounds crazy, but out came Big Bird. Hello? <laughs> I remember Hi. being frightened at first, but others came out too. And they were very friendly and led me into the closet with them. That's not scary at all. right? <laughs> all I remember at this point is that Big Bird gave me a flavored chapstick. What? Most likely to ease my fear because I love chapstick. Okay, I'm scared. <laughs> And they brought me back to my bed. I went to sleep very happy over the whole experience and was not afraid anymore. Sleep what happened in the closet? I put the chapstick under my pillow after taking a tiny nibble, leaving my teeth marks just to see if it was still there in the morning. The next morning I checked and lo and behold, the chapstick was there, just like I remembered. And at that moment, I knew for a fact it was not a dream. If it were not for that chapstick, the experience probably would have not stayed with me all these years. I tried to tell my brother, but he laughed as anyone would. It sounds totally crazy. Wow. <laughs> the, uh, that was hilarious. That was, I, that was one of my favorite ones that we did. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day. And that's a great episode too. <laughs> Have some chapstick. It'll make you feel good. I'd love to do a reenactment where we just paint you yellow and put feathers on you. That'd be great. Give you a pot belly. And you just follow a child around. I think it'd be hilarious. A reenactment? Just like you as that character. Just uh, like walking around. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> like extend yeah. your nose like a little beak. Anyways, but this was someone's real traumatic experience. I forgot. Jeremy. That's true. I'm sorry. You got to lighten the mood a little with these stories. I forgot that, that he had bit his chapstick to see if it was real the next day. Right. That was kind of interesting. Very creepy. Very clever for a kid. How old was he? Uh, I just deleted the text. Let's see. Uh, three to four years old. Again. That's so young. You know, it's so young. How do you know? I mean, how do we know? Well, it kind of goes to that idea of like, you're that young. Does it allow the portal to be opened wider mm -hmm. in a way? Right. To be seen. Yeah. And then to have a reaction. Right. So, I mean... If it's not imagination, which it could be, obviously, I do think that children haven't 
had the veil pulled down as much. Right. And they have access to things that hardened adults don't mm-hmm. always. Yeah, I definitely believe that. Their hearts and minds have been calloused by right. society and time. Taxes. Big Bird. Next, yeah, taxes. Sesame Street. Speaking of Big Bird, he comes back. Should I read this one? Sure. So someone had a reaction to this story. And again, a lot of these come from viewers of a YouTube channel called Beyond Creepy. And in seeing these accounts, had their own story to share and then shared them there. Um, and then Don Strickler, Fans and Monsters, yeah, collected them and sort of made blogs out of them. So we'll have links to both of those in the show notes. Um, but John, go ahead and, and let's hear what happens uh, to a person at a similar account with, with the big yellow bird. I'm Big Bird. This really scares me because I had an experience just like this when I was around three or four years old. I was at my great grandma's nursing home and I still remember certain details of the home, like white doors and metallic gold trim. I was in the hall and there was a door that was clear that led to a big field. I think it was for the people to take their dog out. And that's where I saw Big Bird. His eyes were normal, but I remember feeling calm and invited and it had its arms stretched out like it was ready for a hug. I started toward the door, but that's when my mom realized I wasn't in the room and saw me running towards the door and came and grabbed me in a hurry. Stop, what are you doing? I remember pointing at the door and yelling about it. Mommy, mommy, look, it's Big Bird. He wants a hug. But I'm pretty sure she couldn't see it because she barely remembered when I brought it up. She thinks it was the spirit of a molester who had died there, but I have no clue what it was. I don't care who believes me. I know what I saw. I know it was real. And I know it wasn't friendly. Creepy. Not quite as creepy as the other one, but still creepy. But yeah, so creepy. It was momentary. Where it's like, come outside. Like, who knows what dangers were out there, you know? So it was outside. Mm-hmm. Okay. Weird. Yeah. And there, that outside factor. Did it say how old? Three or four? Mm-hmm. Man, what is I'm it about that age? I mean, think about it. That's the age where you can... Probably the easiest to convince a child. Like they're yeah. they're mobile for the first time. Right. They can walk they're around. Just a bit. starting to process the real world on right. their own. But they're not able to distinguish between someone with bad intentions necessarily, or at least as easily. Yeah, they can definitely be fooled easier, yeah. I think. But able to move on their own. You yeah. know. So but once they get a little older, there's a little more. Yeah, like seven or eight, I would feel like it'd be a little harder to They know about strangers yeah. and bad man. Bad man. Yeah, but I thought an interesting account. Actually, Jimmy, you had a story that relates to this, right? Hmm. The dream. Yeah, I've told that a few times. No, no, no. What? Hmm? The Big Bird dream. Oh, not me personally. Yeah. Oh, I think that I had a like no, no, I Not when you dream. tried to capture that child. Oh, no. Not that time. Jeremy just last night he came across another Big Bird account that oh. I thought was really, if you want creepy, it was pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, anyway. I could. I was actually going to save this for um, when we come back doing an episode on imposter entities and dream demons. I think it'd be interesting. You can always do. bring it back. Yeah, why don't we just bring it back? Okay, all right. If it's that good. Is it good? It definitely ties in. I mean, it's a dream, but beyond that, it's definitely creepy. Well, the thing about scream memories, this seems to be a phenomenon in dreams as well as awake time. Right. Actually, it had that a lot in the Freddy Krueger movies, where he would often shapeshift out of a familiar friend or something at first right. that you were familiar with, and then the claws would come out. Exactly. What was that? Oh, Candyman. That movie creeped me out when I was younger. Yeah. It's a pretty creepy movie. Mm-hmm. They redid it, or they are redoing it. Is that how it went? Was it like... The- I'll say it again, John. Candy friend. <laughs> Just goes and reads the candy. Yay! Yeah, that was a... I feel like I watched it more recently and it didn't hold up as well as I thought. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember being I one of that. my favorite... Because it was such a unique story. Yeah. And there were some really disturbing parts, I thought. Mm-hmm. But maybe not now. And that guy's such a great actor. 
Yeah, he did. He did a good job. Round of applause. Okay, I'm ready. Let's do it, Jer. Okay, so I found this on an internet page, and uh, an internet page. How futuristic. I think it was probably also pulled from a response. I'm guessing the YouTube video, but this is a response someone had to the Big Bird story. They said, did they leave their name? Might have been anonymous. Interesting, the person says. I remember having quite a few nightmares of Big Bird as a toddler. I'd be out on a public lake and he'd be beating the shit out of this terrified kid that was at least 11 or 13. He was running away from him. Next thing I knew, I'd feel like I was being sucked into something and absolutely terrified. And then coming to realize Big Bird was eating me. Had another recurring nightmare of this giant 2D cartoonish circular pink bird. It had a voice like an old hag, would spin me around and tickle my armpits and chest area. Shit was absolutely terrifying. Armpit tickling is very vulnerable. Oh my gosh, yeah, that it's kind of like tickle rape. Yeah. You know, because it's very like like, torture. Yeah. In a dream, I would think that would be kind of torture just because it's such a vulnerable, like, off-putting place. Oh, yeah, dude. And you can't do anything Big about it. Big cartoon pink bird yeah. <laughs> tickling. It's so bizarre. Tickling itself is weird. Think about like, I think in this room we're all kind of ticklish. Different spots, you know, feet, armpits. <laughs> what a weird uh, thing to say. <laughs> I think in this room we're all kind of ticklish in different spots. I don't know where you guys are ticklish. I'm not ticklish. Oh, whatever. It's psychological. Sometimes I'm not. Get over here. Let's try it. It's getting really weird. You, you're not ticklish. You, 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 I mean, I can control it, I think. No, I've been tickled me, in so long. You're telling long. me if I held your or somebody, let's someone else holds your leg, and and you're held down, and someone just tickles the bottom of your foot, it won't bother you. Well, it depends. Well, I mean, are you? Like, you can sometimes. I mean, you if you take a feather and like do it, you know, I'll probably be like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that for a show, for a live stream. Yeah, like, sure, people tick, would love that. Tickling my foot. Yeah, June 18th, 8 p.m. John's oh, no. getting his foot tickled. <laughs> But no, I, it, it's just such a weird response to that sensation. Like a laugh. It's like a pain. It's the only time you can laugh. be angry and laughing, I think, mm-hmm. is when you're being tickled. Because sometimes it really pisses people off. Oh, mom. Or girls She would sometimes. like decapitate someone. Oh, she punched dad in the face. She hates it with a passion. <laughs> well, it's like you're she out of control. She has no control. It is. Her. I mean, it is pretty a mean thing to do when you're, if you really don't want to be tickled. <laughs> I think it's frustrating for anyone who doesn't want it to be happening. It doesn't feel good. It's not like chapstick. It's supposed to feel good, though. I mean, like babies, you know, you take them. They're probably tortured. <laughs> no. They only not. know how to you smile. You just think that they're having a good time because they're laughing. They would be like, do. they'd be sad. They would be like, you're obviously irritated. And they're just, they no, just you're giggle. Right. You know, it might, it might be the control thing. You're right. It might be that like, we want to do what we want right yeah. now with our bodies and our lives and what we've got these plans. And someone tickles you and it throws everything out the window. And you're you, like, no, if I'm frustrated by that. It may you let go. just let go yeah, and laugh. right, exactly. I mean, I think that it's definitely part of it. It may not be everything, but mm-hmm. like, it doesn't hurt. It's just uncomfortable in a weird way. I think this episode should be titled like Muppet Monsters and Conversations on Tickle Theory. <laughs> tickle, <laughs> tickle Theory. theory. I like tickle it. Theory. I like it. Tickle Theory. Loss of control. <laughs> um, all right. Let's do Donald Demon Duck. Let's do some Donald Demon Duck. Grandpa would like this one. Remember he always did that, the voice of Donald Duck impression? Yeah. Get at it. I don't, I've tried that so many times and I can't, can't do, do it. it. <laughs> okay, that's just gross. Here we go. I remember when I was about four years old in 1978, having an encounter very similar to this, a seemingly alive cartoon character. I've never talked about it for fear of being ridiculed. My mom put me in my bedroom to have an afternoon nap, and I can fully remember playing with what looked like Donald Duck. I know you're probably laughing now, thinking how dumb, but I swear it really happened. 
I remember one minute I was happily playing and then the next minute being absolutely terrified. It seemed to turn on me and start screaming and shouting and I remember banging and banging on my bedroom door, screaming for my mom to let me out because I couldn't reach the door handle. My mom had moved it so that it was near the top of the door and unreachable. I can honestly still remember how terrified I was because this was one of my earliest memories. I never told anyone because who would believe that something looking like Donald Duck would be scaring me in my room? I would sound like a lunatic if I talked about it, but I swear this happened and nobody has to believe me. I just wonder if anyone else out there is encountering anything like this and has been too scared to talk about it and maybe after hearing that it's happened to other people, they might come forward and talk about it. That's from Canela. Yes, people, if you've had these stories, come forward. Share. Share them with us. I know my truth. Excuse me? I know my truth. Did you say I know my truth? We should make like a big post with all these stories. Like a Muppets Consolidated. Yeah, I was thinking like collect this information. I know it kind of has been different places, but... Um, oh, you have the horsey head story. I did. I did bring that in. Before we do that, there's one last Muppet story that is really short but sweet. What's it called? The Silent Musicians. I had Muppets as a kid. I was five or six years old. They all had musical instruments. I was laying down and I looked up and they all looked at me and started playing their instruments. No noise, just movement. I ran out of the bedroom so fast, crying and scared. So to see this about haunted toys, holy shit, I have the chills. This was 1985 in the suburbs of Chicago. That's pretty creepy. Yeah, that comes from B-Cop. So, that's not quite the same thing as like a manifesting Muppet monster creature from the closet. It's enough. But it's toys coming alive, tied together. And just another kind of creepy story. They do have like seeing them and they're just like... Yeah. Just moving around. I mean, around, they're supposed silent. to be making noise too, right? Yeah, but he's not hearing the music. That's what I mean. Yeah. And they all just look at him? Mm. Fake playing their instruments. That's yeah. kind of creepier that you don't hear anything. Oh, like, yeah. I can imagine creepy. hearing the creaking of the trumpet, but not actually hearing the They're supposed to be making noise and they're not. Oh, yeah. It's but weak. the additional creepy aspect would be are they even mechanical toys? Can they move or are they just. Well, they have to be. Says they all had musical instruments. I mean, it could have just been like. Well, I'm, I'm picturing like stuffed animal type Muppets. Think about, let's see, Muppet Band, noise, the 80s. Oh, yeah, because the animal was on the drums, right? Right. Like a band we used to play with. I wonder, Nanny. Remember? He was like animal on the drums. Nanny. Except drunk. <laughs> Who is that again? That's animal. Animal. Oh, calling for the nanny? That's Muppet yeah. Babies, right? Nanny. That's what we watched. And then the mom came in and she was all like, Was it Charlie Brown? Yeah. Same I think it was both. Yeah. No. You just never saw her face. Oh, she really? spoke English, yeah. You just never <laughs> she saw. She didn't her. speak wah wah. I mean, yeah, she didn't speak wah wah. <laughs> but she, you always saw her from the waist below. That's funny. So that wraps up the Muppet stories for now. For now. And if any of you guys have any of these stories, if it happened to you, it'd be rare, but it'd, it'd be neat. Now I have two more stories. Read him, Chris. One is Alice in Wonderland and the Masonic Knight, and one is Horsey Head. You should have titled it Horsey Head and Missing Head. Well, yeah, that's the... Yeah. Because that's additional creeps right there. Well, do you want to read one? I can read that one. I'm familiar with it. Go for it. Set up for us, Jer. So this one comes from, uh, actually, Clyde Lewis. If you've never listened to his show, you should. Ground Zero, it's a great show. He's live on the radio, but he's got a podcast. But he had Rosemary Ellen Guiley on his show in 2018, and we've covered her. She wrote the Ouija Boards Gone Wild book. Mm -hmm. She has a gin book I want to do. Yeah, great author. Unfortunately passed away in 2019, but uh, excellent stuff. 
But when she was on there, apparently she had had her own experience with children. And, you know, we did that episode, The Creepy Things Kids Say, and I wish we had this for that episode because yeah. it would fit perfectly. But let's hear what her uh, two twin boys uh, experienced in their bedroom and the things that they told their mother that they were seeing. Again, twin boys. Yeah, weird. And she begins. I got one that fits perfectly with what you said, Clyde, but this happened about 30 years ago. My twins were one year old. We put them to bed, and they woke up in the middle of the night screaming. They were saying, a headless man, or a man with no head, and a horsey head, came out of their closet. And their closet door happened to be open. We calmed them down, put them to bed, closed the closet door, and didn't think anything of it. A few nights later, the same thing happened again. They were in hysterics, screaming and crying, saying the same thing. A headless man and a horsey man came out of the closet. We figured maybe they were opening the closet. They were one years old, so they could get out of the crib. So we put one of those cribs up against the closet, and we put them back to bed. That night, we heard a big crash. Scary. And the kids were screaming in hysterics. We walked down the hallway. Their door was hanging on an eye hook and one of the hinges at an angle. Inside the room, the one crib we had put up against the closet door was all the way across the room. The closet door was open and the kids were incoherent. They were screaming and crying so hard. They were saying a man with no head and a horsey head came out of the closet. After that third incident where the door was actually pulled off its hinges, and I know one-year-old twins cannot do that. Mm, teamwork, though. <laughs> that was the last night they stayed in that room. That's terrifying. Yeah. Like they, it's creepy. They're telling her man with no head and a man with a horsey head is coming out of the closet. And then like the third they time- They finally block the they door. They block the door at the crib and then there's a big bang and she runs up and then the crib is across the room and the door is busted open. That's nuts. Yeah. If that's if it's real. That's, I mean, I do trust this per I mean, she's a her books are pretty great. And well researched. Yeah, stuff. she seems like a very credible researcher. And it was her personal experience. Definitely fascinating. Yeah. I mean, who knows what, what that could be? That? Move them out of that room. That's what she did. I mean, I would move out of that house. Yeah, yeah. I mean how do you explain that? Especially if the door was really off the hinges. Right. And you think it can't go to another room? It's in the house. Although, Joan, we did talk about the uh that idea. Yeah, it's not like you can go out of the closet, right? But well, when we did the Boogeyman episode, the other part of the episode was spirit architecture. And we did talk about how spirit architecture or architecture in general would be designed to keep spirits in or out of places. Oh, in history, you mean? And potentially trapped. And so that is an idea is that the threshold can maybe hold something, but it can't really go too far from that hold. Well, I think that idea is really fascinating either way, but just the idea that like, what is it about doorways and thresholds that these things always come through? Closets are such a big thing. And so are doorways, shadow people always in doorways. My experience is shadow person in doorways. So that, you're right, that architecture aspect to it. Is there an interdimensionality to structures? There's like rules we don't Think understand. Think about when you're looking at a river or a creek and you're seeing like a water create a little funnel in a spot because there's a couple rocks there, creates a boundary. John's imagining it right it now. Was. <laughs> uh, you'll pull there and you'll see like a vortex, right? That vortex is created because energy is passing at that point and there's some sort of obstacle that it has to get by or, or right. root around. So you can imagine that maybe with energy, psychic yeah. energy, life energy, whatever you want to call it, the whole idea of feng shui. Maybe things can get trapped there energetically. And the idea that why a closet, why a kid's closet? Well, if we do think that there are entities potentially that are feeding in other realms just beyond ours on fear, all it might take for that area to be baited 
would be for a child to be laying there night after night, staring at the dark unknown, wondering what's in the closet. Is there something behind the door? Maybe not, but their energy constantly thinking about what's uh, what's back there, what's back there, yeah. and just the maybe nervousness about the unknown creates an opportunity for something to come through. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so funny because that science is a lot of that in this book, which I probably won't have time to get into today. But it's so fascinating because he gets into all these concepts involving the multiverse and feeding on fear. This is by Paul Eno, Dancing Past the Graveyard. Really incredible. It's uh, Poltergeist, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God. And he goes into details about his experience working with the clergy, investigating demonic possession, poltergeist activity, Ed and Lorraine Warren, all this stuff. But he talks a lot about what gets missed in these experiences often. The idea of the multiverse, the idea of these interdimensional fear feeders. And he talks- Fear fear eaters. And he talks about one of them specifically reminds me what we're talking about right now. There is a low level- parasitic entity from his experience seems to be some sort of like plasma based thing, but it can travel interdimensionally through electronic energies. So that transfer of like coming into this realm and and through, you know, an electric charge or whatever, um, lights flickering, manifesting, drawing energy, that sort of thing, but then easily leaving. It's really interesting. And he talks about how much misidentification there is in all this stuff. Um, and to talk about the closet thing and the fear involved in that and how it can use that as an opportunity. He talks about these things using- Really? That's my, my theory. I just made it up. Well, I know. Well, he's- Well, I don't like that he also cribbing. has that theory. But he, well, I was just going to say, specifically, he talks about how when somebody thinks there's a demon in their house or a poltergeist of a- Like a real rough spirit. Right. It might not be that that's there. It might be something that knows that's what your fear is and then will gladly take that. So it's some sort of interdimensional Wookiee? Wookiee? I don't know. <laughs> an interdimensional trickster trickster yeah exactly yeah. exactly and yeah. they know that well, what's the difference at that point well that's what i mean semantics when he talks about that he even has an example of the exorcist prayer and then he talks about how all of these things that that prayer mentions is identical to how you would describe one of these ancient parasite things it's mm-hmm. really fascinating. fascinating we'll have to do an episode on this for sure coming and back we talk about that idea all the time right it just i, I mean i just have a very deep feeling that those entities exist Mm -hmm. on some level. Yeah. And there are just parasites of all forms beyond what we can see. And they, for some reason, get energy from stealing people's life force through fear, terror. And that's the other interesting thing he talks about. We think about this as what we experience all the time as humans, right? On earth. But he said, we're not their only food. There are things in other worlds that are fed on by these things, mm-hmm. which is just a fascinating. It opens up a whole True other boogeyman, interdimensional boogeyman. Why don't we do that for an episode this season? We will. I think that's a really interesting. Yeah, idea. There's so much. Every time I look at this and I want to use it on an episode like this, I just get sucked into the whole outline of this book and everything he talks about in his actual experiences investigating this stuff. And then you have little nightmares in your tum tum. Little <laughs> tummy nightmares. That's where your fear sits. It's like your fear throne. The doctor looks inside Teddy's courage sack. Oh, look, Teddy is riddled with fear. He is afraid. Look at what fear does to your courage sack. Um, so that's what I was going to ask you. So, like, does he have personal experiences yeah, with this stuff? a lot. Really? He was studying theology. Really? Well, I'll read the quick paragraph in the back here. Okay. Journey with the famous theology and paranormal researcher as he examines cases he has hesitated to write about due to their mind-wrenching implications of humanity's place in the universe. Learn about the multiverse, ghosts from elsewhen, and a new definition of, quote, neighbors. Examine battles with demons that turned out to be far more than demons. Unexpected encounters with people trapped in parallel worlds. I've read a really interesting one like that. Um, 
and run-ins with bizarre paranormal creatures that don't even have names yet. Then come with him. <laughs> this is really kind of weirdly. Come then come with, with him into pioneering concepts about reality. What it all might mean for our new place in the universe or multiverse, our understanding of what and who we really are, our grasp of who or what God might be, and our ultimate fate. You'll never look at your existence the same way again. Really interesting. Not high on the food chain. We are not? No. Really interesting. I'm surprised you haven't done an episode on this yet. I've had the book for a few months, but... Fascinating and yeah, really compelling. It is. It is. Why, well, what are you holding on to well, it for? We, it, we, had a, we had a list of subjects to get through this season. It can always be rearranged. <laughs> that bird voice. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to do an experience with a grasshopper comes a knocking. We'll be back in a moment. back. All right, so let's wrap this up with uh, one of my favorite stories. Uh, and this kind of ties back into the E.T. screen memory sort of concept. E.T. phone home. What's that from? Uh, I think it was Close Encounters. I thought it was Men in Black. I think it was Goonies. Goonies, that was it. Someone's going to be writing in, guys, that was... Guys, come on, you can't be that dumb. All right, so let's wrap this episode up with yeah, one of my favorites, The Grasshopper Comes a Knocking, as I like to call it. All right, so this happened in Amsterdam, New York. June 9th, 1980. It was a hot summer afternoon. I was living with my mom in a house trailer right off the main route and the first trailer in the park. The front door and the back door were almost across from one another and I had both main wood doors open and screen doors shut. There's a small deck off the back door and the front door. It was a trailer. I was alone. My mom had gone out for some errands. I was making coffee at the counter. This counter jutted out into the kitchen, leaving the front door easily in my sight to the right and the back door just slightly past my peripheral vision on the left. No TV, no music, no neighbors. Out of the corner of my left eye, I saw movement at the back door. I looked and saw a six-foot grasshopperish being with a tuxedo with tails, a top hat, and a black cane with a carved bone-like top. Ugh. He knocked on the back screen door. I looked back at my coffee cup in disbelief. Then I looked again, and it was still there. He cocked his head. What the fuck? I looked away again in fear. Looked one final time, saw it was still there, and that's the last I remember. Then I passed out in total fear. <laughs> really. The whole event took only moments. I moved to LA in January of 1981. I had no memory of this event. I didn't tell my mom anything when she came home that day. I don't remember anything more from that day. It wasn't until I was in college that I remembered it. It came back as clear as it was that day, not over time, but all at once. I began telling the story to my closest friends, but there was always part of me that questioned whether it happened or not. I'm an artist. Maybe I made it up. But the detail was too clear, and then I rented the video Communion. I'm sure you know the premise of that movie as well as its location. When I saw the alien wearing the tux, top hat, and cane, I damn near fell out of my chair. It was like being hit with a brick. 
What are the odds of that? There's no way we both dreamed up the same being with those odd details. This is not your standard gray. I think it's important to note that the movie came out after my encounter. This was proof to me that I really saw it that day. I even made a painting of it that's a virtual photograph of the event. I would really like to know what happened that afternoon after my third and final glance. My rebooted memory stops at that third glance, but I got a feeling that was not the end of the story. Please let me know if you have heard of anything like this, and thank you for all you do to inform and facilitate. Sincerely, Donna. And that's writing to MUFON. That's a seriously creepy story. I didn't even think to look at the MUFON database for stories. Was there a picture of that in communion? I was trying to find that. No, you know, and I, I kind of skimmed through the movie last night. <gasps> try to find the scene. Oh my gosh, that's disturbing. What? Look at this, John. This is from communion. It's like taking off part of his mask and then... Oh, I gotta take it. Did you find it? No, this is not the top hat scene. This is, is a picture of this gray. Oh, that's disturbing looking. He's dropping a text? He's like kind of peach colored, like the typical communion look of this... Peach alien gray. communion look <laughs> from the movie, and uh, oh, okay. but the bottom head of his like mask or whatever he pulls off, and underneath is just like this monstrous, almost like duck mouth with red inside, Ooh. like opening up. Ooh, this will be the show guys. Well, That's disturbing. Definitely ties into this. I haven't episode. seen this movie in forever, so I, I know. Like, do you remember what it's about? Why is it called? It's Whitley, it's Whitley Strieber's book. Oh god, on that. yeah, it's his oh, experience. That's terrifying. I wonder if I experienced that. With I know my, it's your probe part, your probe partner. Implant. You guys both had ear implants. Why is it called communion, though? Do they commune together? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the idea. Whitley Strieber is a pretty intellectual guy, and so he his comparisons are really well done. But the communion aspect, communion with the being, and it's very... The movie didn't get great reviews, even though it's got Chris, Christopher Walken. But it's because the film is done in a way that sort of brings about that sense of confusion about the abduction experience. So a lot of people didn't quite get it. Definitely worth the watch. Definitely an interesting movie. And it's, you know, based on Whitley's own experience. Well, that Chris, is just... underneath that thing. So even the alien is not the alien. Right. Like he's masked in underneath. And his... that's the Jacques Filet idea, right? I mean, it's like a grotesque version like a of a slug. That goes back to Worm Nights, man. <laughs> I don't know if it goes quite that far. Worm entities. That weird. I wonder what's under, what, yeah, that's very. They're the reptilian. Yeah. It looks like serpent possibility. entities. Well, a lot of people believe that the alien greys are tools or androids of the yeah. uh, Zeta Reticuli, or they're supposed to be Zeta Reticuli. Yeah, but like according to androids. Dante, the guy we're going to be covering in the next episode, this stuff's pretty interesting. And he says that the greys are not actually Zeta Reticuli. It's a whole different oh. species. Yeah, I'm interested to if hear about any that. any of this is true. Yeah. Definitely fascinating stuff. There will be some other stories. Maybe I'll keep them for a future episode. The Alice in Wonderland and... Um, that is a super creepy story, though. Yeah. I want to see what the top hat thing looks like. I know the, has anyone done, so that guy said he did a painting of it, right? Did you ever find that? It wasn't linked in the MUFON article. So as I was going to say, this account, Phantoms and Monsters had it collected, but in Phantoms and Monsters, he couldn't find the author's name, but I found the author's name in the original MUFON document. Oh, you did? Yeah. Good job, Chris. Donna. But again, there's still no painting attached. There was supposed to be an image attached. It's gone for whatever reason or removed, redacted. Do you have a link to that original MUFON? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I'd like to see. I might be able to find. Yeah, move it. on. Would be a whole other book of worms. Oh, that's can creepy, of worms dude. To open. Look at this way this alien moves in the background. Ooh, it's just so like smooth. Yeah, it's and, so fluid. Yeah. Why is Christopher Walken naked? Anyways, I couldn't find that scene. I looked at it last night, but I didn't watch it all the way through. I just kind of skimmed through. I did see a scene where he's on a subway with a bunch of people that he's kind of hallucinating, and they all of a sudden all have grasshopper heads. But I didn't see the top hat moment. That's creepy, though. Yeah. Creepy visual, though. And the, the creepiest thing is, like, why is he at your door? 
Yeah. What happens if you open the door? Well, there's a story we're not going to get into, but it reminds me of this. It's a woman who actually wrote the only book I could find on screen memory. It's her own personal experience with alien abduction, but she talks about these giant spiders, right, Jer? Like your experience? Uh-huh. She talks about in her experience these things in her dream trying to get her to come outside. It's like this constant motif of come outside, oh, come yeah. outside. And she, for whatever reason, did not want to come outside. Well, that'll work with the imposter entity. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll do that story there. That works with my story, my dream. Yeah. And grandma, who wasn't grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope you guys like this unicorn number three. Oh, yeah. Our third unicorn episode. All right, guys. Well, we are past our bedtime here. I am muppet it out. We got to go to the bar. We got to celebrate. What are we celebrating? 640,000 listens. Is that where we're at? We're around there. We should do like a million to listen uh, live stream or something. Yeah, we will. That'll be cool. That's like two million hours of like listening time. Who knows, huh? Who knows, man? Over a million though. Hours. Yeah, that is definitely a million true. hours. Five million and a half hours of a weird, strange holiness. This is our, well, we're out there. We're out there. Living in people's minds. We we'll hope you guys like this journey into the closet. Thank you guys for joining us. We really appreciate you being supporting the show. And we hope that you like this episode. And we hope that we keep making good episodes for you because we love you. We hope that we keep making good episodes. <laughs> we hope. It is a guarantee. You hope. Why are we got to hope for that? We just will. You always like the weird stuff that we do, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Where right. else are you going to go? If you have had any of your own weird experiences that you want to share with us, Maybe something got knocked loose in the old noggin today. Oh, yeah. Maybe we dropped a screen for you, huh? We have a new, actually a new feature on our website. You can go and fill out a listener experience form. Right, Chair? That's absolutely correct. And you'll get right into the archive, which is about to be released on our website over the break. Yeah. It's really easy. Just go to bluefill.com backslash share dash your dash paranormal dash experience. What? Is there a button? Please tell me there's a button. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually going to put next to the contact form a button that says share your experience. It'll go to that page. Okay. All right, we got to go. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being here. This is a great topic. We love doing this one. If you're interested in hearing more, let us know and uh, have a great uh, week. Yeah, we got one more expansion for you guys and then we'll be heading back into main episodes, but we're going to have some good main episodes. And we got the live stream coming up. That's true. June 18th. June 18th. Be there or be square. Lock your closet. All right, guys. (laughs) Lock that closet. Don't let those things out. We'll talk to you later.